watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Binge, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases. I'm Jason Leroy. And I'm Rebecca Larte, and today we have two movies for you. Mary Poppins Returns and If Beale Street Could Talk. And as always, we're going to rate these movies on a three-tiered scale, with Binge It being our highest rating. Consuming moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And set it back means... Life is too short for that mess. Jason, speaking of short... Nope. Speaking of time... Speaking of... Jason, speaking of... Messy. Messy. It's too short to, to actually even pretend to care what's going on with you. Agreed. So let's just move on to our first movie. Guys, we are excited because we have a guest coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, fan favorite Ashley De La Torre is back mm-hmm. with us to talk if Beale Street could talk. Um, so we'll be getting to that just a bit later in the show. That's why we're going to keep it tight right now um, because we want to be able to cover all the bases when we get to talking about that wonderful, wonderful movie. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, we have one other review to get through. And it's for Mary Poppins Returns. Now an adult with three children, bank teller Michael Banks learns that his house will be repossessed in five days unless he can pay back a loan. His only hope is to find a missing certificate that shows proof of valuable shares that his father left him earlier. Just as all seems lost, Michael and his sister receive the surprise of a lifetime when Mary Poppins, the beloved nanny from their childhood, arrives to save the day and take the Banks family on a magical, fun-filled adventure. Mary Poppins, it is wonderful to see you. Yes, it is, isn't it? Jason, you saw this movie. Jason, I did not. I, I'm glad I didn't have to. Are you? I am. Why? Uh, you know, there's, I, I wasn't, I don't know. I don't know that I was looking for this. I don't know that I wanted to, this is what would have been how I wanted to spend my time. I mm. wasn't looking forward to it. I didn't think that I, if I, I felt like I would have watched the original Mary Poppins again if I was, if I had that uh, itch to scratch. Sure. Was, was this something you were looking forward to as uh, someone who I assume grew up and in, in, with Mary Poppins in their catalog? Well, you might be surprised to know, Rebecca. Um, and you at home, um, who thought you were listening to a podcast done by two homosexuals who've watched all the homosexual things, I have not seen Mary Poppins. What? It's true. I haven't seen it. Uh, and all I can say is that there are certain movies that if you don't have anyone put it on in front of you as a child, you just don't ever see it. And so what I'm saying is that I blame my parents. Uh, mine is um, Willy Wonka. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That one I've seen. I would I would probably trade uh, that for Mary Poppins if I could have my druthers because Willy Wonka is very disturbing yeah. to watch as a child. It's not very charming. Mary Poppins was very charming. Yeah, I, it's, I, I, would, I would trade them if I could. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got Willy Wonka, did not get Mary Poppins. Aside from in all those great Disney clip shows that just littered the airwaves throughout the 80s. Um, So I've never seen Mary Poppins. So um, when this came along, I was, I mean, I think I was looking forward to it in the sense that I like the cast. I like Emily Blunt. I like Lin-Manuel Miranda. I like Ben Wisha. I like... Emily Brittle Bones Mortimer. <laughs> uh, Avian Bones. <laughs> Hello, Bones. 
so that all checked out for me. It's directed by Rob Marshall, who directed mm. both Chicago and Into the Woods. He knows his way around a big screen musical. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was curious to see uh, whether I would enjoy it because, as I mentioned, I have not seen the original. I was curious to see the extent to which this would just be like a really gross, mushy family movie versus something I could actually uh, enjoy as a 36-year-old childless man. And um, and also just kind of like, okay, maybe this is a little bit of lightness and fun and joy at the end of a horrifically dark year. Uh, maybe that's just something that I would like to have in my life. And uh, then I watched it, and it pleased me. Really? It did. It pleased me. Uh, I was enchanted from the get-go. Wow. I really was. And I know that this is one of those movies that's really bringing out the bitch in some critics. Mm. Um, I caught up on a wide variety of different responses to it today. And um, and there seems to be no real rhyme or reason to it. Just, just the usual luck of the draw in terms of, you know, some like it, some don't. Uh, and... But I, I just, I, I, I feel like it's just hard to hate this movie. I feel like, like, what, what, what reason is there to dislike it? It's just a sweet, infectious, fun, good time, and, um, and at the same time, it's also from what I have read, um, it's a little bit closer, or at least we should say, Emily Blunt's Mary Poppins, is a bit closer to the way that P.L. Travers wrote the character. As, as opposed to. Julie Andrews. Julie Andrews? What I'm saying is that Julie Andrews went rogue. What I'm saying is that clearly everything you're saying is 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 just coming from the the only perspective of someone who hasn't seen the original movie. No one would ever dare to say I'm, that. I'm in the pocket of Big Blunt. You <laughs> I'm gonna talk to you about that. It smells like a <laughs> greenhouse in here. I'm around the corner from the apothecarium. Um like those are like it. That's just those like the why would you not love this? I feel like the only people wait, reason people would not like something like this is that they're they're doing the the one to one they're doing the comparison right and you don't have any comparison you have not a care in the world just walking in here tall and white <laughs> taking a blunt <laughs> I have seen Saving Mr Banks and I did not like it hmm but I have seen that hmm. um, so that is my familiarity with it uh, which is why I feel like I can make that remark about P L Travers because I saw Emma Thompson play her that one time. <laughs> um and uh so yeah i mean i guess that the way that emma thompson <laughs> alias pl travers wrote that character uh you know she was maybe just a little bit um kind of weirder a little bit kind of uh sharper a little bit more sarcastic um than um than the way that the character was interpreted in the 60s movie mm. and uh and so emily blunt uh, really leans into all of those traits in this movie um there's and even like the gushiest moments um she is just hilariously imperious hmm. and um and uh and it's it's she is just a master in this like she is so confident she doesn't she doesn't have a, she doesn't blink like there's no flinch she is just so fully composed and uh so in control at every second of this movie it's it's a marvel to see mm-hmm. um i mean she's taking on one of the most iconic characters of all time and she does it with just 100 percent bravado 
Um, she's not the singer Julie Andrews is, mm. but she is a singer. You know, she's, she was in Into the Woods and, um, and she has a lovely voice and, uh, and she just is just is all in every musical number in this movie. She's all the way in. I mean, I think that when you think about the original Mary Poppins, you think um, you think Julie Andrews and then you immediately think Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. How is Lin-Manuel Miranda um, as as uh, in this role? Uh, well, for, he's not playing the same character. He's playing. Uh, oh, right. Because this isn't a one to one remake. It's not. It's a sequel. Um, right. Right. It's a sequel. And um, and the basic setup is that, uh, yeah, Mary returns um, to once again help her her um, her child charges from the first one. Now they're grown up. And um, and the boy has three kids he's raising. His wife died. He lives with his sister. It's a whole thing. And, um, and they find out they're about to lose their house because of an evil bank and an evil banker played by Colin Firth. And so Emily Blunt comes in to the rescue to help, you know, steer their ship um, again because they can't be trusted. They can't be left to their own devices. They just keep fucking up. So um, uh, and so Lin-Manuel Miranda, instead of a chimney sweep, plays a lamplighter uh, mm. by the name of Jack, um, who has a bit of a romantic connection with Emily Mortimer's character. Mm. Yes. And, uh, and Lin-Manuel is just, just all sugar in this. He is just sweetness and light. He is so charming from, he is, he's the first person you see in the movie. He's the first, he does a musical number right off the top. And, uh, and he is just, he just gives off such warmth and such, um, human Elmo. Yeah. Human Elmo. Just, yeah. Just infectious warmth and charm just radiate from him in this movie. And, um, and he only raps a little. (laughs) um does he really there is a number uh that he does uh with uh emily blunt in which he gets into probably about uh he gets into like a a bit of rap there's a bit of there's a there's a bit that clearly was kind of made with him in mind where it gets into a much more rappy area is it like his spoken wordy style kind of yeah it's not like it's not like a trap beat drops and suddenly. Oh, he's not doing like the Migos. No, he's not. He's not. Triples. He's not doing full Migos. He's not rushing out and interrupting a Cardi B show. Uh, he is. Were you upset about that? I mean, I heard it was upsetting. I didn't watch it, mm. um, but I heard it was very disrespectful to her. That that was the wrong way to go about that offset. Mm. Upset with offset. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he doesn't do that, uh, but he is, yeah, he definitely, he doesn't like suddenly like, you know, go swag swag up in the place. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he keeps that's it. That's the thing? Right. Okay. That's the thing, that's I think. That's what we're calling it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, when you just like knock on the door and you're like, excuse me, I would like to swag swag up in this place. No. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so is it just kind of similar to what he does in, in like Hamilton? It's not like, I feel like the worst case scenario is that when you say like, you have this, this cringy image of something, of someone being like. Right. You know, it's like white corporate rap mm-hmm. done to like make something cool and like new. Right. No, but there's, like there's no beatboxing. His sort of natural way of, of sing not natural, but his way of singing that you're familiar with with Hamilton that feels yeah normal. I would say it's him. on brand. Yeah. It's on brand for him. It makes sense. Uh, and uh, so the movie, despite having not seen the first one, I have read enough to be able to tell you that it does essentially hit every point beat for beat the first movie does. Um, so even though it's technically a sequel, it also in many ways is a remake, um, that it just happens to take place, you know, um, some 30 years later. Mm. And, uh, and it does definitely feel like, uh, a whole lot of musical numbers in search for a story. Uh, Mm. there's not much of a story. There's basically a premise that we find out right away that the family's going to lose their house. 
and then there are a long, long, long series of musical numbers that uh, that essentially just kind of are there to exist, mm. and for Mary to ostensibly teach lessons through the songs, but you know nothing that groundbreaking, um, and uh, and then suddenly it's the end and then things get resolved and then we're all happy so is it in right now times uh no no um it takes place uh in i believe 1930 it takes place during the great depression what are you giving this <laughs> wrap it, wrap, <laughs> wrapping it up i'm gonna let me well render this and uh wrap it up <laughs> um you know this is a binge it for me whoa yeah wow. yeah no i mean i i had a just a really it, it captures the old Disney magic. I really think it does. For me, it fully transported me back to like, yeah, just old time Disney magic, hmm. and uh, which it's it's hard to do. And I think it's it's a very loving, reverent treatment of the story and characters from people who are all clearly obsessed with the first one. And um, you know, and I, yeah, I, it did not do wrong by me. And I'm gonna stick with binge it. Wow. All right. Uh, Mary Poppins Returns is rated PG for some mild elements and brief ritualistic violence. Brief, real brief. Just, it's very quick. (laughs) (laughs) Now let's get to what we've been all waiting for. If Beale Street Could Talk, our pick of the week. In early 1970s Harlem, daughter and wife-to-be Tish vividly recalls the passion, respect, and trust that have connected her and her artist fiancé, Alonzo Hunt, who goes by the nickname Fani. Friends since childhood, the devoted couple dream of a future together, but their plans are derailed when Fani is arrested for a crime he did not commit. We've known Fani all his life. He's about to pay for something he didn't do. These are our children, and we gotta set them free. Remember, love is what brought you here. And if you trusted love this far, don't panic now. Trust it all the way. Just remember. Be home soon. All right, everyone. You loved her when she joined us to review Widows, and we had so many great reviews of her, and we just knew we had to have her back, especially since we already discussed having her back when she was last year. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, welcome to the binge, Ashley De La Torre. Hey! Welcome back. Welcome back. Did y'all really get good responses from mm-hmm. me being on? Oh, we did. Wow. Mm-hmm. We really and truly did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were making that not no. making it up. No, no, multiple people, multiple people. Not to make our other guests feel inadequate, but, but you more than you anyone are. else I've ever gotten. <laughs> and you <laughs> know why? We got any at all. <laughs> uh, we're so excited to have you back. Um, when you were with us for Widows, you mentioned that Widows and If Beale Street Could Talk were looking like your two favorite movies of the year, and so we thought we should have you back for that one. Um, are you still feeling that way? Yeah, well, not my two personal favorites, but the two best films that I saw this year, mm. which are a little different, because I yeah. think uh, I like random movies that I just like enjoy, but they're not necessarily great. Sure, <laughs> great yeah. films. Um, but Bill Street actually might be one of my top. 
favorites in general. Um, but it was also one of the best things I saw this year. Uh, yeah. So that's yeah. that's still very 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 true. I saw Widows again after we <laughs> recorded oh, the last nice. podcast. I went to go see it with my friends, and I was just dying the whole time because I already knew what was gonna happen. So I was like laughing a lot. <laughs> How was it different the second time, knowing all the twists? Uh, I just really so the first time I was watching I was watching for everything I was right. like I was trying to like ooh figure it out this time I just really enjoyed Daniel Kaluuya <laughs> I was dying laughing at him the whole time I was like this is he's so good at this like I don't know sometimes people find it hard to find comedy in dark characters mm-hmm. um, but coming from someone who like loves like Beetlejuice and Drop Dead Fred and like some sinisterness and like also being kind of funny when you do things. Um, Yeah. So I thought he was really good. I just, that's all I did the second time was just enjoy everyone else's reaction to things. Mm. And then also him. I feel like this is the first commentary on Widows that has drawn a connection to Drop Dead Fred. So, <laughs> so thank you for that. Very, yes. Somebody that's just very inappropriate, but also hilarious. Yeah. No, I love that. Uh, well, one thing before we dive into Beale Street, um, I noticed uh, that Shadow and Act has been the news recently, um, where you had your amazing piece about the Oakland film scene, mm-hmm. um, doing a lot of coverage about Green Book. Uh, some not super great coverage about Green Book. So I haven't seen Green Book. Okay. Um, but it has Mahershala in it. It does. So it's already top five. Um, and <laughs> when I say that, I joke a lot when I say top five because anything involving right. Oakland, I'm just like, well, it's obviously top five because right. he's in it. Yeah. Um, there's some very fair. Um, even though I haven't seen the film, there's mm-hmm. some very fair. Uh, I think criticism about the film mm-hmm. um, and just because I've seen films like it before. So, you know, reverse driving Miss Daisy sort of concept, but, you know, very white savior e and very like <clears throat> not really about the subject because Mahershala is listed as the supporting actor. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like framed as, oh, this is Mahershala's film. It's about Dr. Shirley, but it's not really about Dr. Shirley. It's about Dr. Shirley kind of in some weird way reforming this white man that doesn't have manner i don't know it seemed right. very odd um but everybody even that criticized it said yeah but mahershala did a fantastic job as dr shirley so he does. that's all i care about he does do fantastic did you watch it yet, i have not seen it no let the record show she's had a screener for several weeks <laughs> uh, but uh but, yeah i'm not i don't know if i'm paying american dollars to watch green book but mm. i will watch it for free well and i guess the thing that's especially fucked up is that they not only did they not consult dr shirley's surviving family at all oh wow while they were in production on it um but they didn't even tell mahershala that there was anyone because in according to the script which by the way is written co-written by the son of vigo mortensen's character so big surprise there right uh this they uh they did not at any point ever reach out to dr shirley's family Mm. to have their side of the story uh his family is so uh, just shocked and appalled at the way that they have just sort of told this this white fairy tale version Mm -hmm. of dr shirley's life um, you know, they make it into this tit for tat thing. We're like, well, yeah, sure. He civilizes his like white Italian driver, but the white Italian driver shows Mahershala how he needs to let loose a little. Right. Talk about eating some fried chicken. Yeah. If you don't go somewhere. That's a thing in the um, movie. <laughs> right. In 2018. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking. I don't know. That's, 
I like how you said white fairy tale because we were just talking about Roma. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of white fairy tales of other people's stories. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, like I said, I think it's all fair. And that's how much I didn't really care about this film. Outside of Mahershala, I didn't read any of that because I'm like, yeah. yeah, it's probably terrible. But, yeah. <laughs> but um, which, yeah, I'm sad that they didn't um, even tell Mahershala that they weren't consulted yeah. or that there was even anyone, like you said, left to consult. Yeah that's really strange and Isn't i feel that like that's the quicker, quickest way to burn a bridge too like i'm sure he will never work with those people ever again like yeah. well his uh i think dr shirley's family <clears throat> told shadow and act that like that mahershala reached out to them once mm. he found out once they started to make um statements on the movie he then reached out to them to mm. to apologize profusely and to yeah. say that he had no idea yeah and that he you know is yeah just very 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 sorry that he was a part of mm. this kind of you know, semi whitewashing of this this erasing of uh, Dr. Shirley's actual family and mm-hmm. voice in the service of this redemption story about this you know rough and tumble white Italian guy uh, who learns how to not hate people of color. Uh, <laughs> so let's all pat him on the back for that. I mean, why yeah. do you keep blaming him for being Italian? <laughs> Rebecca's feeling attacked. Right. I'm just asking. Right. First Roma, <laughs> now this. I, yeah, no, I'm sorry. Wait, Roma is not yeah. Italian? No. Well, no. Well, the movie isn't. Wait. <laughs> what? How'd you tie that into Roma? Did you watch the movie? <laughs> I did. She was like, oh, I'm no, sorry, those I mean, people were talking the whole time. First, I really first in a Spanish-speaking movie and um, now about Italians. Uh, That's what I meant. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 It's not Roma. It's about a pizza shop. Right. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and it's like the the pizza is like Mystic and Julia Robertson. Oh no, I'm sorry, I heard it. I heard it was it. I was watching Mystic Pizza. I'm yeah, sorry. I mean, I thought it was Ben is back, but it was actually Mystic Pizza. <laughs> I went to the Mystic Pizza. <laughs> pizza Academy of New York. I should yeah. know. But, I mean, uh, yeah, I think I could go. I mean, I could say a lot about you know race and film and uh, the way the Academy handles or does a lack. <laughs> I'm not a great job of handling race, especially when they're giving out awards. Um, and, you know, obviously we've seen them be nominated so far for a few different things. So um, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out, though, towards like big, you know, big award season. We're still like sort of easing into it um, towards the end of the year. So, um, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's a lot to unpack there. Um, like I said, I haven't read too much about it because I honestly just didn't care. But yeah. Yeah. Do you have an awards uh, season like uh, tradition? Do you do you usually watch the Oscars? Do you I've been have kinda... a party that you would invite us to? <clears throat> ah, no, I don't. I've been kind of <laughs> like chilling off the Oscars the last. Oh, it hasn't even been that long. Um, I watch it intermittently. So I watched it the year Moonlight won, but didn't win. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. I watched that live. Yeah, uh, and. I didn't watch it last year, but I followed like who was winning. Um, yeah, so it's kind of hit or miss for me. I used to be just really like, I need to sit down and watch this and watch it, blah, blah, blah. This year, I didn't do that so much. Um, this coming year, I'm very interested to see a lot of this because I've seen a lot of movies that I think should win, but I know mm. they're not. Um, and I pro- I don't know. I might partake in some little Twitter. I usually go on Twitter during mm. the shows, mm-hmm. honestly, and see what everybody's saying, whether it's about what people are wearing or about what's winning, what's not winning. Yeah. Um, 
Twitter's ass best during the Oscars. Yeah, 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 for sure. And Golden Globes. Mm. Uh, so mm. especially we'll people see. are drunk there. Right, exactly. So yeah. we'll see. Um, yeah, I'm. I probably will tune in this year, honestly, because like I said, it's a lot. And also depends on what gets nominated. Yeah. I mm. wonder, did they keep the popular category no. or no? They disbanded. I wish they would have kept it. Honestly, they, they put that one on ice for a little bit longer. Right. If you so. gonna roll it out, roll it out. Like it's, go full force. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> it's it's between... embarrassing, but look, they thought of it. They did enough of it to really press release it. You you might as well just run with it at and that point. And unfortunately, the Kevin Hart fiasco just erased that from memory. Yeah, that was unfortunate. He was unfortunate. He's doing a lot of unfortunate stuff recently, so yeah. maybe he need to just sit down for a minute. I mean, the Academy needs to sit down as well. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, lots, lots, I, lots of lots of embarrassing things all around on right. this one. Yeah. Man, oh man. A lot of yeah, they had a bunch of fumbles this year. So ever since the Moonlight stuff, that was like a hex. Like ever right. since then, they've mm. been going downhill. Yeah. Any guesses on who the host is gonna be? I mean, I feel like I've heard that they're thinking about just going hostless. <laughs> this is like, don't do that. This has been so embarrassing. It just left a crater where the host should be, wow. and so they're just like, we're just gonna go ahead and just have like a, you know, like and now to present best actor, welcome so and so, and they'll have like a pre-taped intro, and then they'll just have like you know a, 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 an announcer. Uh, hmm. Just introduce just the have, like people. one of those those robots that deliver I mean, your uh, like caviar yeah. food yeah. delivery things come up. Yeah, the thing about the Oscars <laughs> is like you don't even have to be funny. No. Like that's an mm-hmm. easy check. Mm-hmm. So whoever yeah. they get, it's like I don't really. I to be honest, I don't watch the Oscars for the host anyway. Because oh, yeah. at this point, like who hosted it? Like Jimmy Kimmel, and yeah. I was like super annoyed oh, right. with him. And yeah, that was bad. And well, uh, that's the thing. Everyone says it's actually like it's known as the worst job in Hollywood. Yeah. Because like no matter what you do, everyone says you were bad. Right. And mm-hmm. they they take out whatever frustration they have with the award show itself, whether it was too long, it was too boring. They blame you. Mm-hmm. But you're the face of the award show. You take the blame for it. The year Ellen hosted, if I remember, was actually not that bad. She, she did, did a good the job. selfie, which, which was is a moment. very oh, memorable. Right. Yeah. It was a moment. Um, yeah, I think Ellen Ellen continues to be also, sorry. better than most. <laughs> that was the year that Chris Pine was crying in the audience. Do you remember oh. that? <laughs> I just remember somebody had tweeted, can somebody go check on Chris Pine? <laughs> was, he, was he crying during the song from Selma? Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. That was Selma and 12 years of slave. Like, it was, was a lot going on that year. Was, was it lot. also when Chrissy Teigen made her, made her cry face? Was that it? was the same. That was at the Golden Globes, oh, I think. Globes, but I think that, that was the same year. Yeah, because it was because uh, John was on that song, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. They right. cut back to her with that that terrifying frozen cry right, face. Right, right, right. <laughs> She's like, I thought I was okay. <laughs> right. But uh, um, well, speaking of Oscars and nominees, uh, let's hope that if Beale Street could talk, uh, gets in there in at least a few categories because Ooh, this which is a, ones? This is a great movie. All of them. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Best animated short. Yes. <laughs> Best <laughs> documentary. <laughs> Long and Why short. Why not? That's what they need to do for uh, messing up Moonlight so bad. Give That's him right. all the awards. That's right. Also, Barry Jenkins. Um, shout out to him for... I love the way he loves the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. So I saw this um, mild tangent, but it's related to the film. <laughs> I saw this film at the Mill Valley Film Festival. And um, when it was roll- the credits were rolling, they were getting ready to interview him and Kiki Lane, who was the star of the film. Yeah. Uh, and Barry was like, no, 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 let the credits roll. At the very end, you'll see that all of the lighting equipment we used is from the Bay Area. <gasps> and I died. I literally looked at my friend sitting next to me and I was like, 
And he was like, yeah, I know. Like, so cool. <laughs> That's I amazing. No, well, um, I interviewed him for Moonlight mm-hmm. and... Stunt. And he, Slight flicks. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. And Definitely. He, and I was asking him about um, the one music cue in the movie, the song that plays in the third act mm-hmm. when they're in the diner. And... Um, and he was like, well, I discovered that song um, when I used to go to Soul Night at the makeout room. Ah, come on, Barry. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Wow. Through. Also, the cinematographer for all three of his films is from the Bay Area. Really? Yes. Has it been the same um, person for all three? I believe so. I'm going to look it up real. Because James Laxton, yeah. I want to say. Yeah. yeah. San Francisco I, native. Uh, yep. From San Francisco. And, you know, and, and Barry isn't even originally from here. He lived here for 10 years. Yeah. But I love that he formed such an intense, you know, relationship with yeah. the Bay during the 10 years he lived here. Mm-hmm. Between, because, of course, he was born in Florida, mm-hmm. which is where his story mirrored mm-hmm. that of Moonlight. And now, mm-hmm. I guess, he's in L.A. and New York being a world-class filmmaker. Right. But, but yeah, his formative, like, you know, development as a young man in the world happened in the Bay. And I love that about right. him. Right. Where was it? Working at J. Crew? Uh, oh, yeah. He was, like, he was doing, he was doing on, like, the, on, like, the loading docks for, I think, maybe Banana. Banana I think actually, Republic? oh yeah, I think it was banana because I at the time when I t- when he told me that story, I was like, oh, he was like, he was like, oh, it was like this beautiful cross section of humanity, <laughs> and I felt like so much better about the world for having had that job. And I'm just like, you're the only person who's ever worked for Gap Inc. who says that about working for Gap Inc. <laughs> right. Let me tell you. But also, that's cr- he needs to say that more. They need to sponsor him. Have you seen the way Barry dresses? Oh. Barry on brand for that company. Oh yeah, they yeah, definitely. So true. True. I mean, put Barry in a commercial, oh. mm-hmm. which he used to direct. Retail right. commercials, so. Oh, I want that. I want that now. <laughs> yes. If you had to pick one, which uh, which award do you want this movie to win? Best director, because I feel like he was cheated out of it when he did not win for Moonlight. Also, yeah. best cinematography, which they also did not give to Moonlight. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it was it really really hurt me that Moonlight did not win best music or score oh, yeah. or whatever. Mm. The music in Moonlight was literally perfection. Um, the score in Bill Street is solid. Um, Same guy, Nicholas Bertel. Yep. Uh, yes, and he, mm-hmm, man, mm-hmm. shout out to Barry again for like working with the same people too. Um, yeah, man, I think I would love to see him win Best Director, also because Best, like, was it Best Picture? Is you know technically a award for everyone involved with the picture, yeah. but it's also known Goes as a producers. producer award, right? So mm-hmm. I would love to just see him have a moment. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, if anything, like, you know, the year that it wound up winning Best Picture, I was I was almost rooting for it more in the director category, because mm-hmm. it just felt like... Because La La Land? Because La La Land. <laughs> and it just felt like the way that, <laughs> the way that he gave Moonlight such... Because, like, you know, La La Land, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a La La Land hater, but, you know, it was very much a reference, it was a riff on so many other movies, mm-hmm. and, you know, it was so referential to so many things that existed, whereas Moonlight, there was nothing that came over Moonlight that was like Moonlight. And he he was a director. He forged every second of that movie. And that, to me, is why he deserved Best Director mm-hmm. for Moonlight. Yeah. Um, and I would love to see him um, take it this time. But I feel like the movie's best chance at this point remains Regina King for yes. Best Supporting Actress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Rightfully so, because oh, I'm thinking God. about what I've seen this year. Best Supporting Actress could easily go to her. She has like she's won almost every critics award for <laughs> really? it. Really, mm-hmm. but um, but then the shitty thing though is that she got shut out of the SAG nominations, <clears throat> which was a massive what the fuck moment because mm. she has literally won. She's won like every critics prize in this category. Like 
What does it mean to be cut out of the the SAG? That means her peers didn't think she was good enough. That's right. The acting branch did not nominate her because, yeah, so there's a massive overlap between... But let me me guess. Yeah. The favorite, somebody from the favorite was nominated, weren't they? I think they they both were. Ooh, child, the ghetto. (laughs) And they nominated Claire Foy from First Man. No, they didn't. They did. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so here's hoping that that was just a weird anomaly and that the Academy will nominate her, um, and they will be embarrassed by their oversight Mm, at the SAGs mm. and they will be like, what the fuck is wrong? Because I mean, Regina King, I feel like is somebody who's so respected within every voting branch because she, you know, she won an Emmy for a show that had already been canceled. She Mm -hmm. that show seven seconds, Mm -hmm. that Netflix show. Mm -hmm. She won an Emmy for that. And that show was like a blip Mm -hmm. and she still won an Emmy for it. Cause everything she does, she's always, she's been so good from day one. She won multiple Emmys for that show, American crime, Mm -hmm. which she was so, she was so good. in that, that was another show that like nobody Mm -hmm. watched. I watched it. Um, but it was like always on the verge of cancellation Mm -hmm. that did get canceled. And I mean, she, people love her. And that's why I was so flabbergasted that the scratchers guild did not include her in that category. Yeah, I mean, but... Oh, she yeah. wasn't even nominated. You s- no. No, she wasn't even wasn't nominated, nominated for the Screen Actress Guild category. Yeah, I think... Yeah, that's a huge oversight by them. And I think it's a, it's multiple things that play there. I think um, there was some Oscar Beatty films with actresses that got nominated. Um, and also, uh, I think that... Um, you know how some people are just not on the radar, like with certain folks. Like Regina King mm. is known for playing, like she's done a bunch of stuff. She's done, she's done comedy. She's done, you know, multiple things. And I think with her starting to get more serious roles later in her career, mm-hmm. um, people are just probably not taking her serious. Unfortunately, um, I yeah. think, um, and yeah, and, and, and she's a black actor. You know, she's a black actress in Hollywood, like, yeah. who's not named Viola Davis. And right. let's just, I mean, let's just be real, right? Like, yeah. you, we don't get multiples, right? We don't get to have, you know, we don't get to be mediocre. We don't get to have multiple people. You know, we don't get, we don't get any of the leeway that other uh, creators get in this space. And yeah. so, I mean, that, for me, that's what it comes down to. Because when you're talking about the people that got nominated, we didn't need a Rachel Weisz and an Emma Stone nomination. Yeah. First of all, they're not supporting actors in that film. <laughs> right. Let's just make that clear. Yeah. They are the leads. Yeah. And two, like, why are you nominated? Like, both of them. They weren't that fantastic. Yeah. And I, I think I think it is. I feel like at the SAGs, yeah, I think everybody nominated that category maybe were probably white women, mm-hmm. uh, which I know won't come as a massive surprise. Also, you mentioned Seven Seconds, and I just want to give a mini shout out to Raul Castillo because I love him and I thought he had a good year. It, it was uh, what was his role with that? Raul Castillo was in Seven Seconds. He was a, one of the cops. He was the Latino cop in uh, that uh, movie. He was also in We the Animals. He was the dad in We the Animals. Um, and then he was also in Atypical. He was the bartender in Atypical. He was Richie and Looking. Right. That's why I know his name from his Looking. Mm-hmm. I'm like, tell it to me and gay. Oh, he was, <laughs> yes, he yes, was yes, looking. yes, yes. Right. I mean, We the Animals is LGBT. <laughs> Movie. Oh yeah. So these are <laughs> yes, and I, I've heard that. And I, it's on my list. I have a screener for it. Supporting actress and nominees of the SAG awards were Amy Adams for Vice, mm-hmm, trash. Emily Blunt for A Quiet Place. Margot- Wait, whoa! The Quiet Place came out this year. Yeah, yeah, it came out in like spring. This is the year. This has been a long year. Ooh. Uh, Margot Robbie for Mary Queen of Scots, and then Emma and Rachel. 
Okay. So, and I can, okay, let me just say that neither Emily Blunt for Quiet Place nor Margot Robbie for Mary Queen of Scots were on anyone's radar. So no. leave it to the acting branch to like dig up some white actresses somewhere and be like, oh, go ahead and just <laughs> Also, the quiet, here. what? Like, she was not amazing in that film. She was pregnant and screamed. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally what pregnant women do. They scream. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, she didn't, uh, I guess, whatever. But, uh, well, let's, yeah, let's hope that that was just a, a weird anomaly and right. Regina King will get the, the, the recognition she so mm-hmm. richly deserves because, I mean, there is, well, let's just dive into big picture this movie. Mm-hmm. So this is also, speaking of crazy um, oversights, the first ever English language James Baldwin film adaptation. Mm-hmm. Bonkers. Wow. Bonkers. Yeah. Which, um... I'm not too mad at for one reason. That's because I'm glad Barry got to be that person mm. to do it. Because yeah. I've read the Bill Street book. It's amazing. And it's almost word for word exactly like the film. I will say if you've read the book, they changed the ending rightfully so. Because I mm. keep telling folks who haven't read the book, if they would have ended it like the book, you would have been in shambles. Because you were mm. already in shambles watching this movie. Mm, if they yeah. would have ended it how they ended the book, mm. which doesn't give you any closure, mm. Barry gave you some closure. Yeah. Which he didn't have to do, honestly. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad he did, because I was weeping watching this film. Yeah. Only film I cried in this year. Yeah. Really? And I don't cry easy. Yeah. Um, but this was very good. Um the scene particularly that I was waiting to see and I was very, very, very impressed with. Also, Barry said it was the most difficult scene for him to film because Barry does a lot of single shots. He does a lot yeah. of one-on-one. Yeah. The scene in the movie, are we doing spoilers or no spoilers? Ooh. Um, I, I think mean, we do, let's do spoilers. It was a book. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's, I mean, that's fair. Yeah, we can go It's not it. the kind of so, movie where you're... Right, it's not like a twisty movie. Right. Mm. It's not like Widows. No, exactly. <laughs> no, that, no. Was, that was um, no spoilers. So in the in the book, there's a scene where Kiki Lane's character, Tish. Um, Tish, she announces that she's pregnant, but she tells Fani's parents at the same time. Um, mm. She gathers both mm. families together. What a scene. That scene is almost word for word yeah. out of the mm-hmm. book. And he said it was so difficult for him to film, obviously, because it's so many people in the shot. He literally said that. He was like, it's so many people and yeah. so much dialogue. And I'm not used to filming like that i'm used to you know very solo shots one-on-one dialogue between two people you know very intimate he was like that was a lot of work yeah um and it turned out amazingly and rightfully slow the slap in that scene i was like yes That, and that was kind of new territory for him too just the kind of that kind of content mm-hmm. you know like everything he's done has been so austere mm-hmm. um, and then in this scene suddenly you could just get some really just red blooded domestic drama yeah mm-hmm. it's very messy but it's also kind of funny oh yeah um, very funny because <laughs> it's a lot going on in that scene also I just want to say I do not condone domestic violence ever mm-hmm. in life no. but but you want someone to be slapped <laughs> yeah yeah no you definitely do <laughs> yeah. when you see the movie if you haven't seen it already if you haven't read the book because she in the book i was like oh please shut her up um and in the book the character is way worse because you get a lot more dialogue from the character right Mm. and so it's like oof. she yeah so that was well deserved um i feel like that scene also really speaks to the not only the directing but the acting because it you can tell that it's like you can tell that it's baldwin's writing in that it's like it's it's not conversational Mm um and you have sort of like kind of two different um kind of like ways of speaking 
and it could easily seem super stagey um, or or red, and mm-hmm. it doesn't. You it you're doesn't. completely you're completely in mm-hmm. in the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought Barry was the perfect director to do this book, also because of how personal his movies feel. And this mm-hmm. this book is very very close. It really only follows this one family really if you want to even the you know extended family but Mm -hmm. it's like one big family right and it's very 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 intimate between these two characters and that's exactly how the book feels it's like yeah there's these families but this story is really between these two people right and i thought literally like literally it was perfection when i saw it after reading the book i was like wow like that's literally what i thought the movie should have been um and it's not all about me obviously but i you know (laughs) as someone who's read the book and really appreciates barry's work um not even gassing him because i'm a stan but (laughs) uh, it was like it was so well done like it was so well done well and i guess he got this um based on medicine for melancholy so Mm -hmm. he actually had this lined up before moonlight Mm -hmm. even happened Mm. so i guess it was based on medicine for melancholy which of course is filmed and takes place in san francisco um it was based on that that the baldwin estate chose him which Mm -hmm. is so amazing so it wasn't even moonlight um, you know, and he had this, and I guess like it was like a kind of a load off his mind because when when Moonlight hit, he already had this lined up, so it wasn't like this thing where he had to like, be like mm. what am I gonna mm-hmm. do next? Like it was all already there. Yeah, it's crazy because a uh, similar story to Ryan Coogler doing Creed. He already had Creed mm. in the tank when Fruitvale came out. Creed mm. was actually supposed to be his first film. I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, he he had the idea for Creed before he even made Fruitvale. Oh wow, interesting. Um, yeah, and so and it was a tribute to you know his dad. Him, his dad loved the Rocky movies. Blah blah blah. Um, but this is not about Creed, but I just thought about that. Yeah. It's like, you never know, right? What, right, what yeah, people projects. have cooking. Yeah. yeah. You never know how long it takes for something to actually happen. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot. Uh, yeah. What I liked about this movie is that from the first moment you realize, it's almost like um, when you go to a really nice restaurant and like the way that they, they greet you at the door or the way that it, like the building looks and you're like, this is going to be. I'm going to be so taken care of. <laughs> and the first scene of this movie is so beautiful. Yes. The way that the, the characters are dressed, uh, the way that they're lit, the mm-hmm. way that they're acting, they don't speak very much, the way they look at each other, like everything is just starts off on such a high note and mm-hmm. then maintains that note throughout the movie. Um, is is It's almost like a really relax, a relaxing mm-hmm. time. Maybe it's because we see so many movies, it's like, oh, what the fuck is this going to be? Right. Um, but you're just like, oh, yeah, I'm, this, I'm safe. Yeah. And Kiki Lane, this was her first movie. Which is nuts. Insane. Yeah. She's so amazing. And she's going to be a native son right. with, uh, I always say Chiron, but his name is Ash. Oh, Dan. right. Ashton Sanders. Yes. Yeah. Um, who is going to be in that movie as well. So another Barry mm-hmm. connection right there. Mm-hmm. But she was fantastic. Yeah. Um, she literally led this film of like veteran actors like Domingo Coleman mm-hmm. and Regina. K- like it was, that's so yeah. crazy to me. And, Stephen James, who is an amazing actor, um, man, he was the greatest Fani. He was the perfect Fani. So yeah, he was heartbreaking. He was so real. And there's so many great actors in, you know, smaller parts in this, like Tiana mm-hmm. Paris mm-hmm. plays Tisha's sister. She's so good. Mm-hmm. Dave Franco. Uh, Dave Franco. <laughs> uh, I mean, Ingenue Ellis plays the mm-hmm. aforementioned sort of like, you know, villain in the family scene. Mm-hmm. She's always great. Brian Tyree Henry. Yes. Mm. Who we mentioned last time is having an amazing yeah. year. And this was one of his best roles of the year. 
what he does with like one scene yes. in this movie. That it is, scene. Like he deserves, like I, I don't, I'm not exaggerating when I say that that is a single scene that deserves an Oscar nomination. That's like yes. Judy Dench and Shakespeare in Love. It's like one scene Oscar. It's Viola Davis in, in Doubt. Fences? Viola Davis in Doubt. That's right. <laughs> yeah, okay. Viola Davis in Doubt. No, she was in Fences <laughs> more than one scene. But, what? but it, it was, was just that one scene what? that counted. Yeah. Yeah. First nomination. Roma and then Fences. Like what? I don't think you really be Rebecca. watching these films. And it was about a fence the whole time. <laughs> and then she showed up, she cried, and then she left. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no. Viola and Doubt's the perfect comparison. Um, you know, because he is so, because it is, because that, that was, she really was, she just had one scene. Mm-hmm. And she just brought so much pathos and so much truth and honesty and grit to that. And I think the way he plays, I think it was also so shocking seeing him in this role because his other work that he's done with Atlanta and Widows, he's he's very like, He's very sort of like restrained and very quiet and kind of inward. And in this, he's like, he has so much joy in life. But then through that also, mm-hmm. there is the pain and there's yeah. the trauma mm-hmm. of everything that's happened to him while he's been away. Yeah. I, I think that was a very underlying thing as well. Like you saw a lot of very intimate moments, um, which I really appreciated, uh, especially like depicting a black family. I think a lot of the times, especially when we're talking about movies that tend to get nominated, uh, it's either a slave movie or something where a black person is it's a white savior film right so right. the black character is depicted as not being very well on their own or uh, some kind of trauma happening to them um and i thought in this movie even though there is this underlying trauma there's very much so this togetherness and this intimacy that you don't always get to see on film for black characters especially dark skin black characters um and there's this scene where Domingo Coleman and Kiki Lane are sharing this scene where she's having morning sickness and he's like making her this tea. He plays her father. Yes, he plays her father. And they're just like hugging each other and sitting there. And I, that scene is so beautiful. You know, you don't get to see a father and a daughter in that way a lot when we're talking about these sort of highbrow, for lack of a better term, films. Uh, or at least the films that get recognized, right? Like, mm. I've seen films that have that in it, or, like, you know, but they, they're they not always on this level. Uh, and I, I thought that was very, very, like, powerful to see. Um, and speaking of Mill Valley, one thing Barry brought up, and I want to say he was talking about either his producer or writer, it was a woman, but mm. I forget who, but he Adele was saying... Adele Romanowski? Yes, yeah. I want to say it was her. And... You know, the audience at Mill Valley was probably 95% white watching this film. Right. And they were he, he was saying that something she brought up in an interview is that, you know, this is probably going to be the first time some people not only on the festival circuit, but like folks are looking directly in the eye of a dark skinned black person. Hmm. You wow. know, because there are a lot of scenes where, because it's very camera. looking right. straight at the camera, right? There's a lot of Kiki Lane doing that. There's a lot of Stephen James doing that. Mm. Regina King is doing that in the mirror when she goes to Puerto Rico. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so he was like, that's something that even as a creator, I had never, con- you know, I, I, I never considered that, you know, yeah. until she brought it up in an interview. And, you know, that was, you know, he was something was like, wow, you know, I never even thought about that. He was like, but yeah, like, oh, you know, people, you know, watching films on this level, a lot of the times they're not look, they're not mm-hmm. really looking at the characters in that way. Right. And yes. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting how you, how you talked about showing, showing the family. And I don't know if this is, if it was adapted from the book differently or if the book tells the story in this way, but it's like, even though there is this, this main thread of this tragedy that this family is working through, it's, it's almost 
it's not it's not secondary to like the other relationships and the joy it's it's like i guess it's sort of like shows how like normal trauma is for certain groups of people in a way that isn't like doesn't make the movie about that Mm -hmm. and so it doesn't make you know you're not supposed to like feel a certain way of the audience like necessarily feel bad for people and it's like seeing what happens in spite of like the situation that they're just dealing with yeah um do you think that was that kind of how the 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 novel was written or is was that kind of the way he adapted it for uh film I think that's definitely something you get from the novel as well because Mm -hmm. it's really framing this love story Mm -hmm. and so it's like everything is kind of secondary to the love story like the trauma is there but there's so much love you feel from all of the characters well except the mom right Uh, not Regina (laughs) King the mom but yeah yeah. Anjanu Ellis Um, but there's so much love right like there's so much love between her and Fani and even when they have their you know their mini like you know spats or whatever it's like there's still so much love there there's so much love between him and Pedrito you know like (laughs) there's so much love between you know her and her family and how much they love Fani like Mm -hmm. Fani is like their child Um, and yeah I think it's all like really just framing this massive like love story and like you said how certain folks deal with trauma but I think it's just showing humanity right Mm -hmm. like I said we don't Mm -hmm. get to see these stories often enough to where we just get to see like a family just dealing with family things right because the universal uh, narrative is that when we see a white family going through this, it's like the universal story. Like, mm-hmm. oh, they have the one son that's off to the side, like being kooky or going to jail. But then it's like this family, you know, doing normal stuff. We mm-hmm. don't really get to see that on the right. opposite end of end of the spectrum, right? Especially not, you know, a poor fam, a poor black family going through mm-hmm. that, right? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was just. Yeah, I don't know. It was. I think it was the special special for a lot of reasons. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was. I think it was definitely from the book as well. You definitely get that feeling from the mm-hmm. book as well. Uh, I saw an interview with Barry where he also talked about the scene where Tish does tell her family, um, and the way that they respond, mm-hmm. uh, which is with a lot of with just an explosion of just warmth and celebration. Right. And, you know, and not in a naive way, like knowing, seeing what's ahead, but mm-hmm. celebrating new life. And, um, and he's very said that at a test screening, um, afterward, there was like a middle-aged black woman who stood up and she was, she just started crying and she was like, that was not the way I thought that scene would go over. And mm. it made me realize I'd never seen that celebrated mm-hmm. before in a right. movie. And like, it made me realize how, how I've just never had that, you know, like that I've just never seen that movie, a scene where, you know, cause it's. It's the thing that I think audiences probably, you know, especially audiences of color brace for like, oh, it's a story about like a teenage girl who's black, mm-hmm. who's pregnant, and here right. we go, and here's this, and here's the downfall, and here's the poverty. And, right. But like, it's an it's a celebration. It feels like sacred. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah. and he was saying that like, that, I think that's another thing that didn't occur to him. He was like, and I didn't realize that, mm-hmm. that was, you know, that was going to come across yeah. that way. But that's something that people, that isn't, isn't depicted and certainly not, in, to your point, not in like mainstream movies. Uh, that white audiences are seeing Mm -hmm. so that's a remarkable thing this movie does yeah for sure yeah i mean like i said it was special for a lot of reasons like and it's i think i had a different appreciate for appreciation for it because i read the book right so i had a lot of expectations too but barry executed it so flawlessly as he does because he's barry jenkins right um but yeah i think yeah that's very valid like i didn't you know i didn't cry on that part but it was 
it's I think it's as effective when I was listening to it on I listened to it on Audible. I didn't read it, but okay. <laughs> uh, when I was listening to the book and right. that scene, like I said, that was another scene that was almost like word for mm-hmm. word out of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Regina King, you know, goes an extra mile to celebrate. Right, she pulls mm-hmm. out her good liquor mm-hmm. that she only uses for special occasions <laughs> to celebrate. You know, the fact that her daughter is bringing life into the mm-hmm. world. So. Yeah, that was really special. Uh, so one especially tricky thing that Barry has to navigate from the novel uh, and adapt into this film coming out in 2018 is the fact that it involves a storyline about a false accusation of rape. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is tricky <laughs> under the best circumstances, and especially this movie coming out when it is. Uh, and yet... Uh, I think it's just Barry just brings so much humanism to every every character that to me at least you know I felt like everyone you know everyone's handled with such dignity the performances from everyone the accuser in question is played by Emily Rios who I've always mm-hmm. loved Maria Full of Grace right? yes mm-hmm. uh, or uh, or no Quinceañera Quinceañera yeah Got she's it. in Quinceañera and uh, she was on Breaking Bad and she's been in a bunch of great stuff and. Um, and we do eventually have this sort of fuller picture of exactly how she comes to accuse Fawny of a thing that did happen to her. Mm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I just wanted to get any thoughts about um, the way that the film handles that. Because that's, that's, that's you know, explosive stuff to mm-hmm. be putting in the movie at this point. Yeah. Definitely. And I was really waiting on that because, I mean, we're in the era of Me Too, right? Um and also, I thought it was very true to the book as well. And I thought for the time period, I mean, and James Baldwin is brilliant and amazing, so I expect nothing less. But you never know how things age, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought he handled it very well in the book also, um, because I felt like Barry could not have done that as, executed that as well if there was difficult material to work with that did not age well in the era that we're in now in mm. entertainment right right um you know how do you work around that right you're trying to be true to the novel but then you don't want to piss people off um there is no victim blaming in the movie mm-hmm. um regina king which i thought was one of her most amazing scenes mm. the scene where she goes to puerto rico and talks yes. to the victim also it's um, insane that she does that yes it's oh, insane it's even, that she does it's that. It's even more insane in the book. It's even more insane in the book. How so? She walked? Well, because... <laughs> no. Well, because it's like... They kind of build it up to where it's like this really... I mean, and they do that in the in here too. But they build it up to like she's really on the hunt for this girl. Like mm. she, she's trying to... The conversation she has between her and the guy she sees in the club who mm. clearly knows who, you know, who she's talking about that's a little more intense and then she's kind of going into this neighborhood where she doesn't speak the language and like this cab driver is like basically you know navigating her through and then the woman you know when she starts screaming blah 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 people come out like they come out of their apartments and so you're like oh shit like what's about to happen like you know yeah um and so yeah she's like daughter you know she's calling her daughter she's like i believe you you know i she was like women know things you know i i know that you got raped like i'm not disputing that um but then we're also dealing with issue of you know racial profiling here because Mm -hmm. ed screen's character who plays the cop right is clearly framing funny for a rape yeah that he didn't do and then all the evidence is there right it's like 
I was on this side of town. It's really impossible for me to run. Like, am I doing like the New York Marathon over here? Like, I'm running from you know, New York blocks are not small. No. Um. So he's like, I'm running twenty blocks this way. Like, it's, you know, I, and you get that too. And they explain it that way exactly in the book as well. Um. But yeah, I didn't. I don't think. Yeah, I don't. I think Barry handled it well. I thought it was, you know, that like I said, Regina King acted the hell out of that scene. Um. Mm-hmm. And so did uh, Emily Rios. Emily Rios. Um, yeah, just the way that Regina, just like the the the, the pleading yes. in her eyes, and she's yes. trying so hard to like not scare her off. Yes. Like the mm-hmm. girl is so mm-hmm. spooked yeah. and she's so scarred, and yeah. and Regina's trying so hard to just be like maternal and warm, but also you can see just like the intensity. Yeah. She's like, "This is my only chance yeah. to do this," and it is right. Like, yeah. and this could possibly be life or death for finding. Mm-hmm. Like, this is back. Yeah. In the day, like you're coming off, you know, history of Emmett Till and things like that. And given she's Puerto Rican, but she's white, like Mm -hmm. she's a she's a white woman. Um, And so she is, you know, it's a it's a lot at play here. And that des you know, that desperation, you know, in her eyes and in her voice, like you were saying, like it was, you know, it is that serious. You're talking about somebody's livelihood here. Um, And as we're seeing that in contrast with Fani literally rotting away in jail, like his mind is going. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, it's very intense. And also why she should have been nominated for a cycle. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They really walk you through the pieces. I I feel like in a in a way that doesn't make you wonder, like you're not you don't really think at all. Like, did he do it? Uh, Mm -hmm. Because they sort of set it up, like you said, like they set up the facts like you're supposed to be over here, but he was over here. And then they they showed the part about the cop mm-hmm. um, in the store, and I so they like kind of handhold you through it in a way that's not like oh I feel really uncomfortable for a large part of the for movie rooting for him right yeah. and then and then I have to rectify like sort of reconcile those yeah. feelings, and then that moment in in Puerto Rico when they're she's pleading and she's PTSD mm-hmm. um, yeah, right you, it's just like the whole the whole framework is there it's like these two people who are both like. Um, at the mercy of a system that's not built for either of them right. are trying to fix it between each other. And that's not going to work because everyone's just at their, their end so well and said. it's unfortunate um, for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's so well said. Yeah. They're just, yeah, just sort of being pit against each other in, you know, a white supremacist patriarchy exactly. trying to write in a system that's not built exactly like you said for either of them. Right. Exactly. Uh, lighter territory for a moment. <laughs> you mentioned earlier that Dave Franco's in the movie. <laughs> and when this movie premiered at TIFF, that was like one of the big things everyone was talking about. I was like, why is Dave Franco in this movie? I thought he was, like, he played a small part. Yeah. This movie is black as hell. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, we're not here watching Dave Franco. Like, we're not going to go see Bill Street for right. Dave Franco. We're not going to see it for Ed Screen or no. Emily Re- You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, these are all fantastic people. Right. Even though Ed Screen is not on Game of Thrones anymore but right um yeah but no it's like they're not they're literally like off to the side yeah characters the I scene with uh with james franco uh, with dave frank the scene with dave franco <laughs> did i say james no no no, 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 okay. no, no, no 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 this <laughs> yeah, one did. this was her mistake yeah <laughs> when they uh when he helps him move the furniture yeah. around the apartment it's, it's one of the cutest things i've ever seen <laughs> it is adorable. I, I almost cried at that scene oh Aww. Yeah, when they're moving the, the Just imaginary like, furniture yeah, because around. Because you're, you're, you're this, imagining all the pets they would have there someday. All the bonds, the connections. But you, like, wait, it's like that moment where you see, like, 
Banya is most playful and so and you know what else is going on it's just such a it's just so tragic but also so adorable mm-hmm. yeah uh i think the main thing from the tiff response to Dave franco was just that people thought that he was um distracting they're distracting to have huh? Dave Franco show up in the movie uh, with his like Dave Franco voice. So they be like, "Hey, is <laughs> it?" Uh, and it was just kind of like brought this weird kind of contemporary levity to yeah. uh, to the movie in that moment. It was weird because I thought he looked like a young person that was dressed up like an old person. Like they put mm. like Hollywood makeup on yeah. to make him look old, and that was weird. Not he was supposed to be young, but he was supposed to be homely, very conservative, like Jewish boy, mm. blah right. blah blah. Oh, right. To me, yeah. To me, it looked like they were like they tried to make him look like he was like fifty. Like, oh. This Benjamin Button thing. <laughs> <laughs> he's buttoning. Right. Yeah, he's buttoning. Very confusing. Uh, yeah, I thought that scene was cute. I mean, um, I didn't. Was think that in he the was, book? Is that... Dave Franco a big enough star to be like, oh my god, he's so distracting? I feel like that's more Brad Pitt in Twelve Years a Slave. Oh, one hundred percent. I think yeah, that the entire Brad Pitt thing in that movie is obviously a problem from top to bottom. <laughs> but uh, but uh, but no, I think with Dave Franco, people just associate him goofy comedies. And oh so right, right. That's not fair to him. Though. I know. I, I like Dave Franco personally. I mean, he. <laughs> He's the more sane Franco. And, he is, yeah. yes. And the less problematic Has Franco. yet to have any allegations right. made against him. Right. Uh, and just as in a darling marriage with Alison Brie. So. <laughs> he married? Right. I didn't know. Who is Alison Brie? Uh, Alison Brie. She's a star of GLOW, and she's in Mad Men and Community. Um, I'm trying to think movie-wise what she was in. Oh, she was in Disaster Artist with the rest of the Francos. I think I'm picturing the face now. Yeah, Allison she's like a little, little petite brunette. <laughs> little, little petite brunette <laughs> okay no this is not the person that i was thinking of but okay. i do know who this is yes they are they've been together for quite some time mm-hmm. good for them you know those those petite brunettes right right <laughs> you like that you want me to start describing you as a petite no, brunette I'm okay thank you i could i'm like is it anna kendrick uh, oh, it, oh yeah no, that could see close. a similarity there it could, yeah it could be a lot of different people but yes brunettes. yes mm-hmm. <laughs> it yeah. could be it could be one of the guys you've been carousing with. It could be. Uh, <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Gotta narrow it down. Uh, well, do we have any closing thoughts in a field street could talk? Ooh, man, it's I like I can't say enough good things about this movie. Like, if you have time, it comes out Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. Um, really go see this film. Like, I gassed widows a lot, <laughs> but this was very, very, very enjoyable and. Um, yeah, if you if you like medicine for melancholy, if you like Moonlight, um, if for any reason that those, if for any other reason that the, because those movies were black as hell, you would also like if Bill Street could talk. <laughs> um, yeah, I just that that actually brought me to another point from Mill Valley, mm. uh, which they never ask other directors this, but of course they ask Barry why all of his films so far were circled centered around black. And black yeah. that? Oh, of course. Was the moderator? Um, no, it was a, a audience question. Was it a white person? Was it you? I mean, <laughs> right, right. It was definitely it was a me. Great question. So, something. So you um, tell everybody like, you won't believe what somebody asked. Right. <laughs> Girl, you won't believe it. Right. Um, no, uh, unfortunately, they were a few shades lighter than me. But um, yeah, and then he was just like, you know, when I go into a coffee shop, right? Like maybe ten percent of those on a good day, right? On ten percent of those people are actually going to know who I am, right? Um, maybe one percent of the people are actually going to know that I'm an Oscar, you know, Oscar award-winning director of a film, you know, of Moonlight that I directed, you know, these films. He was like, but 
guess what everybody in that cafe is going to notice that I'm a black man, mm-hmm. right? He was like, so this is not something that I choose to do. This is something that I am. You know, I create art because mm-hmm. I, you know, I can't escape being black. Mm-hmm. You know, black right. stories are what I do. It's what I know. Um, and like I said, nobody's asking, you know, Martin Scorsese right. why he's putting no. Leonardo DiCaprio in every film. Like, that's mm-hmm. not a thing. So, yeah. Am I getting Martin Scorsese fused with somebody? No, that's right. No, yes. Yeah, he does. He yeah, does yeah. Off, <laughs> so, um, yeah, but it's just, it's yeah. very, very, very black. But it's also, it's a, it's a great story. And uh, it's visually very compelling. Like I said, if you loved Moonlight, mm-hmm. a lot of similar shots in this one. And it's, it's really sweet. It's a great holiday film, actually. What would you say to people who are worried it'll be too sad? Ooh. I mean, it's sad, but it's like to Rebecca's point earlier. It's very, very, very like loving, like it's it's yeah. very warm. Like I I cried towards the end because I like the end with the kid got me. Cause like I said, that's not in the book. Mm, he completely right. changed the, final the ending. Scene, yeah. Um, and I won't spoil what the book ending is mm. for folks who still want to read <laughs> it's, it. It's sadder. Because I'm sure, yeah, <laughs> it's sadder. Yeah. It's have you read the book? No, just from what you said oh, earlier, yeah, you're yeah. like, you're no, like, no, it's yeah. it's literally heartbreaking. Um, but. Uh, yeah. I mean, Kiki Lane is a huge mm-hmm. reason to go see this film. A fresh face, um, who Guess does it. a great job carrying this film with a lot of veteran actors in it. Stephen James shows out. Uh, Barry. Yeah, I mean, Barry acted a fool again, and <laughs> it made me cry. Go see Regina King, one of the year's best performances. Mm, yes, that will hopefully yes. be. A, if you saw the favorite, time. you really need to go see Bill Street. I mean, put your mm. put your good earned money behind something. <laughs> or if you dollars. went to go see Roma in the theaters right. and you didn't fucking <laughs> yes. have to, yes. go see Bill Street. Yes, you give your money to those Italians in Roma. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right. All those Italian people, all the pizza. <laughs> Look, I support a no, good pizza movie. All no, this. but honestly, like, if you pay to go see A Star Is Born, you mm. need to pay to go see Bill Street three times. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's like a penance. Right. For, yeah, the right. mistake right. you right. Even though the penance was watching the movie. You right. Have to right. Go. Exactly. Um, no, but yeah, for sure, all jokes aside, like, this is, is really amazing. They're literally saving, like, the best for last because yeah. this is coming out mm-hmm. in the 11th mm-hmm. hour. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Any Rebecca. closing thoughts, Jason? Uh, I, I was interested about what you said about the you know the best movies versus the favorite movies because yeah. I, I definitely blur that line with my own list and uh-huh. serve just like well, I put them all together. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I do agree that um, that it would make both for me too. It's mm-hmm. it's both a favorite and just a flat out best. Yeah. Um, like it's in my top five for sure. Not not jokey top five. An actual top five. <laughs> actual, <laughs> actual top. No, five. I literally <laughs> say top five all the time. <laughs> uh, that's like my like thing, but. <laughs> using it literally you're literally it's, it's my literal top yes. five no because like i really enjoyed the christopher robin movie i laughed a lot watching so that. did i yeah i cried a lot watching that <laughs> i cried the whole but movie. like that wasn't one of the best cinematic cinematic masterpieces that i saw this Rebecca's year like right <laughs> i don't think so either <laughs> yeah but uh. hotel transylvania another fave from this year <laughs> does that top five Top five. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rebecca, closing thoughts from you. Um, wow. Uh, I-, I would lean on the fact that this movie is beautiful and sweet. This is a love mm. story. This is a beautiful love story the way that, like, I don't know, any cl- classic cinema love story is. And and it's, you know, it's clearly written by a genius. Um 
and the story is fantastic and you will just you can't not like it you'll just yeah. love it you'll just love it yeah it's like star-crossed lovers it's like romeo and juliet right it's, except it's, for it's, except for it's not that sad at the end right <laughs> right exactly <laughs> um yeah it, it would there's no there's no reason not to see it mm-hmm. yeah it is our pick of the week i am giving it a send it back <laughs> <laughs> That's it. She That's likes it. To, she likes to keep me on my toes sometimes. Go see right. Roma in the theaters. <laughs> well, actually, don't. No, no, but also go see Roma in the theaters. Go see not a double headache. Look, TV. just because you're spending Christmas alone, go see both movies. Right. Until the day's over. If you go see Roma, you're going to really feel alone. <laughs> that movie quiet as hell. <laughs> Until it's not. Until it's not. Until it's not. Until the people in front of you are talking oh and gosh. you realize. And it's another screaming lady movie. That's right. It is. It is. <laughs> you know what is not a screaming lady movie is Beale Street. Right. Nope. That's true. Except no. one, Except one, one Emily Rio scream. Sure. And right. that's it. Right. Just one. But not on Beale scream. Street. So. Not right. on Beale not, Street. Not on. No. no. Not right there. No, no, no. This is so binge it's all around. Binge it. I, for one moment I was it. like, was 227 on Beale Street? Would that be like a full circle moment? For Regina yeah, right, it's nice like, seeing her like having grown up with her. Exactly. I feel exactly. like we didn't talk about that because like it was like a teenage role, but also no, like growing but, up no, with her. No, but let's run it and back. And you're like, look, like a, another family situation, yes. and now she's the mom. Like right. there was a lot of that. Level let's run it back for the people who are not putting respect on Regina King's name. Mm. She was on two two seven with Pearl Messy ass hanging out the window. <laughs> Spilling all the tea <laughs> and Jack K. Harry, but she was mm-hmm. in Friday. She was in a lot she of classics. Yeah. She was in Boys in the Hood. In she was in yes, Higher Learning, Poetic Justice. I mean, we can run it down, okay? Last time I checked, Emily Blunt was not in Poetic Justice or Friday, okay? She, she wasn't was or in, or, right. I thought she was Felicia. Lester. I thought she was Felicia in Friday. Was or that Emma her? Stone? Okay, they don't have the resume. Okay, let's run it back. Uh, we're giving this one a binge it. Yes. yes. Um, it is out as as uh, as we mentioned on Christmas Day. It's rated R for language and some sexual content. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you for, for having me back. Are you going to see a movie right now? I am. Oh, I'm going right. to go see Ten uh, Oh, nice. Oh, okay. I was like, I've been yeah. looking at my clock. I should have no, asked earlier. No, no, earlier. no. I'm going to see Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, okay. which I've heard amazing yeah. things about. So I'm excited about that. I want to hear about that. Yeah, Jason it's, it's said great one. things about it. Well, he said it was great, but then didn't say anything I about it. I ran out of things to say about it. It was the last thing we reviewed in last week's episode. Now, by the time we got to it, I was like, it's good. I don't know what to say. <laughs> uh, it's just good. Right. I like made the pick Brian of the week. Brian Tyree Henry also in that. Mahershala also. Mahershala also. Oh, well, top five. So. <laughs> It's a top five. It's a top five. Uh, well, we hope you'll come back and join us again sometime. You sure. just tell us if there's a movie coming up that you want to join us for, and we will make space. Also, mm-hmm. I want to shout out to Holt. Oh, Nicholas Holt for yes. the favorite. Mm. Yes. He was literally the best part of that movie. So that's all I wanted to say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> An addendum to our review of the favorite. Because <laughs> I don't think we talk about him very much. You did? Well, well, no. We, and also, Rebecca literally went and saw it right after we picked the review. Yeah. So yeah. she's getting closer and closer to seeing the movies. Very close. Very close. Uh, Do you want to get punched? <laughs> Maybe. That's what, he, that's what he says in the movie. Oh, right. <laughs> I see you though. Oh, right. You don't really be watching none of these movies. You don't be watching none of these movies. <laughs> the jig is up. To I have been fooling him for two years. Right. You come on here twice and the jig is up. <laughs> See, yeah, no, the wool's over my eyes really. I easy. mean, I'm a master bullshitter, so I can spot it from a mile. Oh, Rebecca is, is shaking. <laughs> I've never recorded any of this. The computer's no one, not even on. No one will know my secret. <laughs> I'm just looking at my my cat camera. Right oh my god. Nothing else. <laughs> 
All right. Uh, How can people find you? Oh, I haven't tweeted in like a month, but... <laughs> well, the Oscars are coming up, so... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You want to see me shit on the uh, Star is Born in real time. Yes. Mm, <laughs> Follow yeah. me during the Oscars. There you go. And during the Golden Globes. Um, yeah, so Ashley De La Torre at, uh, at Ashley De La Torre on Twitter. Um, my Instagram is pretty boring, so I won't say it, but... <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> and then, uh, then during the SAG Awards, we'll all just collectively tweet back and forth each other about yes. Regina King and yes. the former protest. Right. <laughs> and you know she's going to come on the red carpet looking fire, too. Oh, yeah. She's going to be best dressed. <laughs> That's what she does. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. That is all we have for today. Uh, thanks again to Ashley for joining us. Um, thank you so much for listening. Jason is on Twitter. Actually, right now, I think he's tweeting right now. Something probably not very funny. Mm-mm-mm. There. Ha. See if I get any likes on that one. Probably not. Um, but you can find that not funny tweet at... Excess Baggage. I'm at Fight Balance. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end. That's amazing. There, there goes, goes the, the binge. binge.